and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made which has been made. The mind cannot fathom the size of the universe. Our solar system is but a grain of sand on the beach of God's creation. The earth, a speck in that solar system. Man, microscopic. And yet, the creator of the universe loves
God came to live with his creation, he came not in a cloud of glory, but in an obscure stable. Once omnipotent, now dependent on a young peasant girl. After he was born, Jesus was brought to the temple to be dedicated. There lived a man in Jerusalem whom God had made a promise. Because of his great faith, this man Simeon was told that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. I turned around to see, and I knew him immediately. I watched for him every day for years. Watched for him with the eyes of my heart. I saw the strength of his character, the love of his heart, and the innocence of his soul. God promised me that I would see the Messiah before I died. And I realized he was keeping his promise at that moment. In my mind's eye, I always believed the Messiah would be a strong, purposeful, and, and move with confidence and power. Instead, his mother was holding him, and he was holding a carved horse. I wonder if he realized who he was. Man of sorrows. Simeon knew the Messiah immediately. It was now for the rest of them to learn. After Jesus' ministry began, he didn't wait for people to come and ask to be his disciples. He found them. I had heard of this man from Galilee. There were rumors of him throughout Judea. Every time we would come to shore, I'm a fisherman, we would hear about another thing he had done, another miracle. I don't know how to tell you what happened. I don't think I could explain it if I talked for years. It, it welled up inside of me like nothing ever had. I, my heart was telling me things my mind never could. So I followed him. Trust me, I know what I was like before he found me. I'm a miracle. Jesus. For years, I was haunted by demons until he came along. He spoke and they obeyed. I have never seen such strength or felt such peace. As Christ's ministry grew and grew, he and his disciples traveled throughout Judea, a hot, dry, and dusty land. And Jesus gave the people what they thirsted for, hope. But some followed this new Messiah only to learn that Jesus wasn't interested in their agenda. When we went back to Jerusalem, I felt we were right on the edge of what God wanted us to do. Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he was greeted by hundreds of people waving palm branches. I was more excited and hopeful than I had ever been. I screamed over to Judas, uh, uh, the other Judas. He's the son of James. I'm a scariot. I asked, can you believe this? He was amazed. And when Jesus neared the place,
place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the crowd began praising God louder than I would have believed. And the Pharisees in the crowd told Jesus to shut us up. <laughs> you know what he said? He said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. listening to him and trying to figure him out that I could see what he meant. Sometimes I didn't even know if he understood our need. There was an occupying army on every corner and he didn't seem to see it. I kept thinking, is he blind? If he couldn't see that, what was he looking at? What was he waiting for? 
We needed to be saved from the Romans right then. Each time the disciples looked outward at the Romans, Jesus looked inward at the temple. Every time they looked outward at sin, he looked inward at the person. When they saw the outward expression of loud public prayer, Jesus saw a cold heart. If you're someone who concentrates on what's on the outside, you will always be out of step with the Messiah. At the final meal with his disciples, Jesus tried to explain to them what was to come. He could see it clearly, the arrest, the beatings, the cross. But the disciples' eyes were closed. city that week and you should have seen the people they were ready we were ready I, I think even the Romans were afraid the anticipation was hard to take then we took the Seder after that I was more confused than I had ever been something was different about him that night he, he seemed to think that we were all going to abandon him he all but said Judas would betray him Judas finally got up and left. Jesus said that he would only be with us a little while longer and that where he was going, we couldn't come. I said I would follow him anywhere and even lay down my life for him. He asked me if I truly believed that and then said that even I would betray him that night. To whom? It was late. We weren't going to see anybody but each other that night. We were on our way out of the city. There's a place we go, a garden near Gethsemane. I don't think any of us understood everything that night. And I didn't understand what was happening to our Messiah.
never seen such a naive bunch of sheep. I was like them. Then what Jesus was doing didn't make any sense. Now I've realized. He had no intention of overthrowing the Romans to become king. He had no political ambition, no drive. He was pandering to the wrong people. He spent all this time with the poor, the obscure, and the lame. That was a dead end. We needed alliances with the influential people of Jerusalem. We needed help from the Sanhedrin. We need money. We needed to court the Pharisees, not alienate them. Am I the only one that sees this? But I solved all that tonight. Money, influence, and power. Now we're ready for the real Messiah. You know where Jesus was taking the group? To a cross for each of them. Not me. Indeed he was. He was leading himself to a cross that would save every one of them. Every one of us. Judah's sin was no different than any of ours, he decided he knew more about God's plans for him than God did. Judas may have believed Jesus was God's Messiah, but Jesus was not the Messiah Judas was waiting for, not the one he was willing to accept. So he sold him to the high priest and the Pharisees during the night. Judas led a detachment of soldiers and some officials to the Garden of Gethsemane, where the disciples were caught off guard and surprised, but Jesus wasn't. see this coming? I needed to ask him why this was happening. I needed to know what I was supposed to do. I, I needed to talk to him one more time. I wonder if I ever truly saw who he was. <laughs> it looks like they realized what a mistake they made. <laughs> they scattered. I knew it. Worked. He's gone. Now I have the money we need. But nothing to use it for. And what's happening to him now? I didn't know how far they'd go. He doesn't deserve what they're doing to him. But he chose it, not me. I'm not responsible for his actions. This was going to happen. I didn't cause it. At most, I, I, I just sped it up. was death and hatred, spitting, cursing, screaming. It was, it was the worst place I had ever been. Where were the men? Where were his friends? Where were the people who pledged their lives and their honor to him? Christ was going to the cross. And the men he was to die for were hiding in dark rooms, too afraid to move and too weak to watch. What haunts me is that he didn't seem surprised by any of this. 
was as if he had known this all along. Like he had prepared for it all of his life.
Christ did not, he didn't die for the people that followed him faultlessly. There aren't people like that. There never have been. Like the disciples, we've been afraid. We've been weak. Yet Christ died for us, the sinful, the rejected, and the heartless. Christ died for the soldier who whipped him in Pilate's courtyard. Christ died for Pilate. This is love that we loved God, but that he that we, not that we loved God, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The nail-pierced hands, wounded side. This is love. This is love. A holy one was sacrificed. This is love. This is love. I bow down to the holy one. I bow down.
That was the worst morning of my life. Everyone was gone. Everyone who had followed him, everyone who swore allegiance, gone. <laughs> you know who was left? The people who didn't care if the Romans or the Sanhedrin saw them there. The people with nothing left to lose. Maybe that's what it takes. To go to the foot of the cross risks everything you have and everything you're going to have. To go to the foot of the cross means giving up your agenda for His. It means recognizing Jesus as Lord, bowing in awe of His mercy, overcome by His love. Beneath the cross of Jesus, Lord, I would spend my days in the shadow With its marvelous good news But live my life with it always in my view At the foot of the cross Lord, I bow down and worship overcome By so great a love At the foot of the cross I will cherish all
Day one was the low point. I wanted it to be a dream so much. I woke up praying. Ironic. In the garden, I had fallen asleep praying. The dreams and the promises seem to have died with him. I wished I had. And we felt powerless. So we hid. I spent the second day at home, living out the Passover. If the Father saved us with a lamb in Egypt, why didn't he have a lamb for us that night in Jerusalem? I went over and over what he said. What did I miss? He, he could have stopped this. I know it. I had to go to the tomb. I had to take care of him. He saved my life. I wanted to take care of him. I kept coming back to how I abandoned him. Did he die because of me? pounding on my door at dawn. At first I thought it was the temple guard or the chief priests. I could hardly breathe. But it was Mary Magdalene and she was screaming. He's gone, he's gone. I told Peter over and over. I don't think Peter believed me. Her eyes were lying to her. She said she had met an angel. But it wasn't my eyes that convinced me. I knew it in my heart. I was beginning to understand. I was beginning to see with my heart, with the eyes of faith. Jesus had healed another blind person. My Redeemer was alive!